All right, cool. First podcast. Yep. Glad to be on. Yeah. I don't know if we should call it Greg and Nate or Nate and Greg. I just, you know, whoever gets top billing usually gets the most money. Sorry. <laughs> so. That's how it goes. So, really, uh, I mean, this podcast is about honest moments and um, being honest because I think a lot of times in this world, we don't value that true honesty that makes people uncomfortable, right? So, definitely. Uh, I think we really want to kind of tackle some of the things that most folks don't want to tackle and talk about it from the lens of being an African American man, being a married man, yeah. being a father, yeah. uh, being a son, yeah. uh, being a brother, being a man of faith, being a man of faith. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a real unique lens because um, you know we've known each other for almost twenty some odd years. Yeah, we yeah. have been there for everybody's birth so it was like you know all of yours and the few of mine uh, <laughs> <laughs> all four of mine all four of yours and all five of mine um and i just wanted to you know we always have some really unique cool conversations where we're like you know what somebody probably could have gleaned something from that and i think we really wanted to kind of start giving that out to some folks because you know, just just to kind of help with what's going on with a lot of different things. And right now, yeah. I don't think there's a topic more uh, pressing right now than the topic of the protesting and the, and yeah. the rioting and the, the looting that's going on. Because all three are separate situations. Um, but, you know, just that issue of race right now. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of talk about that. Let's put that on the table and really dissect it. And I want to look at it from the lens of, you know... Um, how were we talked about race onto what's going on in our life right now with race. So, yeah. you know, come on, talk to me, Nate. What, what, who is Nate Perkins and what was his first uh, engagement with race like? So, um, so yeah, so I'm from Kentucky. Um, yeah, I'm from Kentucky. So I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, central Kentucky. Um, and I can tell you my, my first understanding of what race is came from uh school you know i was i grew up in the in the west end some might remember uh some might know from from that st martin village um to go to elementary school though we were a part of the integrated busing i went past four or five elementary schools was bused past four or five elementary schools every day to get to my elementary school uh, where I was one of the few blacks, uh, one or two, three maybe blacks in our in our classes. Um, at the time, I had no idea and no uh, no thought of what that was. Um, but as I got older, I understood that that was a part of a, a of, for lack of a better word, forced integration, um, and that's that's in the 1980s. Um, but growing up, though, um, me and my family, we didn't really talk a whole lot about racial issues. Um, you know, there could have been a, a few incidents here and there, but we really didn't talk about it much. And my big thing was just uh, I was taught to do your best, uh, you know, trust and love God and treat people well. And that's that's about it. It probably wasn't until college and, and after that I had any real interactions that involved race. Mm. 
So when you went off to college and started really getting involved in it, like what was what's, what were some things that really stuck out to you? You know, so really, it had the first had to do with uh, policing uh, and police interactions. Um, so I remember being pulled over several times for no apparent reason um, in in college, and then I remember directly after college when I left, I moved to Newport. And it was like the first two weeks that I was in Newport in my new apartment, I got pulled over like five or six times. Never received a citation, never uh, told I was doing something explicitly wrong, but I was pulled over and talked to. And I remember, I remember for real, I remember that um, like a little anxiety, like so when you step out of your, when you step out and step into your car and you start driving and you feel like this little, you see a police officer and you get, you get like this up. little tensing up. <laughs> yep. Um, and it took me a minute to actually get over that, and and it's it is weird. It's like like not that I was fearful or anything, but just like oh, I'm gonna get put over again. What is it gonna be this time? And you know, it's it's in the grand scheme of things, it didn't feel like nothing big, but it was like oh okay, this is kind of how it goes, right? And and it's it's a weird feeling, right? It's funny, man. Being being from Lexington again, um. I didn't really, you know, I was, I didn't really encounter it a lot. Well, I, I encountered it, but it just wasn't really on my radar a lot. It didn't stay on there, right? I remember being called nigger from time to time. And then um, I remember this one particular moment where we went to a white neighborhood um, and we went and played basketball and we beat the brakes off those boys. Like, and then they left the gym and went and got guns and shot at us because of it. Mm, man. And, and to you know to kind of experience that i never i don't think i've ever truly unpacked that whole thing and was like yo how do i feel i was just more or less happy that we were safe yeah <laughs> right and it, it was like one of those it was just basketball man <laughs> like if i knew this crossover was going to get you this upset <laughs> like yo i i think i would have just hit you with the headsy <laughs> but uh but it's all right. I know it. The headsy, but but it was just like it wasn't things that it just didn't stay on my my radar for a long period of time because I had engaged with too many um, uh, white people that that were cool, right? Gotcha. And um, you know when I left there and we went to college and you I don't know if you still remember this but. When we started doing the DPS education, the Department of Public Safety mm-hmm. on NKU, yep. we started doing those programs so kids could know their rights. And know what to do. And know what to in. do if they yep. got encounters with them because we were getting pulled over on campus so many, so long. Yeah, and it was, an, it was an issue on campus, yeah. Right, so, you know, taking that, um, you know, those bad situations and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow it to allow anyone else to have to go through this again yeah. and creating some change on it. Those are my first couple encounters with race, and then more so than when I got out, and now I'm a full grown man, and you know, living in Louisville at the time and driving back to Cincinnati for work, you know, being up and down the highway. There was times when I would get pulled over, and I would literally stick my arms out the window because I just wanted the officer to feel safe, because I didn't, you know, at that time there was a lot of shootings going on, and a lot of young black men and women. Uh, we're not making it home to their families, and I'm like, look, man, whatever I got to do to make it home. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, I'm trying to crack jokes with the officer. I just need you to feel at ease. Like, 
hey man, you want to come and grab a seat in the car? It's raining yeah, outside. Yeah. You, yeah, 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 the yeah. seats are heated. Oh, it, it'll feel good, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and but to do all of that, just to make somebody feel safe, just so I can make it home. You know, it just that has weighed on me, and it's just like, yo, like, who do I talk to about this, right? Gotcha. And, yeah. and there's no like self help groups. It's not a book that's written. And I think I wanted to talk about today was really that, you know, underneath the blackness, what is what's lying underneath, like the the pressure, the uh, the pain, the unmet expectations, uh, whatever it may be. Um, I really want to see what's going on underneath that. So for right now, Nate, with you, like, what do you see blackness as? That is a loaded gun question. Oh, man. You know, it, <laughs> that that is, yeah, that's a lot. But you know what? It's, I, I would like to, I would probably say that it is, um, it's as it's as far stretching as the spectrum of colors in in the rainbow, you know, because I don't think you can define you can de- I, can, I don't think you can necessarily define a particular thing to say ah that's that's just black because we're we're a very diver- we're diverse people we are a um, diverse in ideas diverse in Abilities diverse in likes, diverse in in all things. So, um, I don't know. I, I I can't put one thing on it and say, oh, that's that's yeah, that's it, right there. I know, right? It's a weird thing, man. Like, it's almost to me, it's almost like trying to define manhood. It's like it's so vast and so deep, and there's so many small intricate pieces to it that you can only just be like yo I can just lay this whole thing on the desk like uh, this is my blackness right I guess I asked that question because sometimes you know it's funny me and a, me and a good friend today was having this conversation it was like the pressure of being in black sometimes is a pressure not just from white colleagues but also from black family right and what I mean by that is you're not black enough because you went to college okay yeah right you're not black enough because you talk white you know and if you I know you don't see the picture but I got air quotes so air quotes yeah you know I I had that happen in high school, <laughs> in high school, I had a I had a job at McDonald's, and um, of all people, I had a lady pull around the drive-thru because I was I was working I was working drive-thru. A lady pulled down, and she was like, "Oh, I thought you was a white man," <laughs> and I'm like, "Really? Like because I speak well and 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 and." <laughs> I enunciated my words, and and that 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 makes me a white person. I, so I'm like, that that is weird. So I, I think sometimes that we just don't. We in our own culture, we we don't love. Let, let me not say love. We don't allow the diversity of speech, thought, 
context, likes, you know, we, we kind of ostracize those that are different than the group speak. But so. why is that so, though? That's, that's, but why? I don't know. I, I think, in general, human beings, we, uh, we like group speak. We like being part of the group. And we don't like being challenged by any of the outside um, thoughts or, or, or motives. So we, we try to galvanize people around uh, certain, certain things um, that fit a narrative. So that's, that's wild to me, though. That's wild because it's like sometimes I feel like if, when I can define something, I know how to utilize it better. Mm. Right? Um, so sometimes when I'm I'm reading, I make sure I go back. If I hit a word I don't really understand, I go back and I really try to understand the word and you know where the word came from, the whole nine, just so I can better understand how it's being used over here. Okay. So like sometimes not being able to define that puts you into like that question mark box. Like, am I black? I mean, like I was talking to with the same friend again. He was like. He's in an interracial relationship, and what he said was, um, sometimes I wonder if my ancestors would be proud because I'm I'm dating a white woman. Mm. That that hit me. That that hit me kind of hard, and I was just kind of like, wow. Like he's like, I don't know how to sometimes define, am I black at this moment or am I not? You know that's that. So that's 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 a weird even concept to even come up with. Even though, because when we look at it, the definition of what, like the origin of what even black came from or white came from, was made up, right? So it's a made up construct to put people in a hierarchy. That's and that's it. Because if you ask my kids. Prior to entering school, what color they were, they would not say black. Really? They would say brown. Joy might have said she was tan. You know? She's, Zeta she says she's caramel. She <laughs> That'd have been a little caramel. <laughs> they you know? they caramel. <laughs> so, this whole construct of, of, of black, uh, I think if we really dig into it, that, that construct of black and or white is 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 a is a really it's it's a basis for what oppression looks like to people that look like me and you break that down i'm a little slow and hopefully i know we're gonna have a few slow listeners break that down what do you mean by that i mean i I just mean that so um this video that i just watched recently um that talked about um the construct of race Mm -hmm. and how based on based on race based on colors there was this hierarchy that was built that put whites at the top and blacks at the bottom and based on that in order to based on that all other oppression was able to be justified and carried out because of this idea that just because your skin is non-melanated you have this supremacy so it's crazy it's almost like those who wanted to create a system or create a hierarchy in your words looked at 
as long as you're this color, you're this. But it's funny that we internalize blackness something different. We don't look at it as long as you're this color, you're black. I don't know if I'm being clear about what I'm saying. Like it's like those who wanted to uh, oppress us or create a hierarchy to let us see that you know I'm here and you're here. They didn't go into the depths of. Okay, well, black is defined by the way you you do this and the way you do that. You do this, you do that. They said no. The fact that your skin is black Just because of your skin color, yeah, you're, you're black. But then on the on the other side of that fence, even now we now dissect that into you're not black or you are black based off of what you do and what you don't do, how you say these certain words, yeah. these characteristics, and I find that to be real interesting. That we just can't get to the point of, you know what? You look like me. I look like you. Yeah. But I mean, looking at tattoo, like we had a friend, right? We, we had we had a we have a uh, we have a um, that a shall fraternity. not be named. We have a, to no, save we, him or her. <laughs> we have, we have a fraternity brother that has skin color just like us, but he's not black. I mean, True. he's not U.S. American black. Yeah. Right or African or anything, he's Indian. Right, right. So there's there is a difference there, even though we have the same pigment. But there is there is a difference. There's a difference mean? there, in, just in difference in expectation, culture, um, stereo, stereotypes, biases. There's there's a difference, right? So I I work. Um, with Indians and there are some Indians that are that come from India that are darker complected than I am mm-hmm. still different yeah you know so stay right there real quick so how do they treat each other because I'm curious about that like you you, you don't ask like, you no just idea. don't go to work you just don't <laughs> do like, nothing just be like um, how you treat <laughs> how you treat your other brother <laughs> How you treat the ones that look a little bit darker than you? How does that go? Because in the U.S., it, it ain't working out over here right now. Yeah. We solve problems. I ain't, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> we changing the world. <laughs> One call at a time. One bus ride at a time. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be wild. Yeah. It actually is gonna be wild. So, I don't know, man. This is this is just a weird time, man. How have you been processing everything? Processing everything. Processing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that worked. Uh, <laughs> oh, for real? We gonna do that while we on here? Hey. <laughs> we gonna keep it real. All right. All right. You know. <laughs> so pro- processing. How am I processing it? Um, yeah, man. Cause I, I've know, had some mixed emotions on some stuff. So I'm. I've looked at it from. Um, you know, I, I thank God that I've had the time to not only process it by myself, but process it with my wife. I've had time to process it with um, some friends, uh, both white and black. Um, so it's 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 been good to have people in community that you can sit down and talk to and you trust. Um, How have those conversations been? I it's it's been good. I think it's it's been good and honest. Uh, dialogue and and I think for me right now it it sucks that we're here and it feels like we're here again 
right? So it's been just if I mean if you Keep if you just look back, I mean if you look back and like we've Eric Garner, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, uh, you know many 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 others, and then the fact that it's like back to back to back, Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, like th- those were like back to back to back. You're like. Um, we gotta do this again. We gotta go through this again. We gotta see this again. Um, that that part has been kind of frustrating, and the hard part for me, the hardest part right now, is having those conversations with my kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have my oldest yeah. son is fourteen, and I have a twelve-year-old. Then I have two daughters uh, that are ten and seven. So. We haven't talked to the young young ones yet, but we had a talk with my oldest son. And the hard part is I have to explain to my son that you're a black man who you're a young black man who has the world in front of you. You can do everything that you want to do. You are smart enough. You have great characteristics. You are you talking about the looks? Because you, you start smiling when you start characteristics. No, nah, those, those, those are those are a given. Those are a given. Those are a given. Those are a given. But he he's a hustler. He's he he's he got that he had a busy savvy mind. So out of all those things that he has going for him that are great, I keep telling him that there's no obstacle in front of him that he can't overcome. But also, I have to tell him that you have to be aware that because your skin is brown there is a possibility that somebody is going to look at that and see something totally different than who you are yeah they're going to see a stereotype they're going to see a criminal they're going to see someone who's a threat they're going to see someone who's um who who is who's less than Mm -hmm. and they're going to make an assumption about you and unfortunately there might be some people who because of those assumptions because of those thoughts they're going to be able to do something about it but see it's funny you said that because i was working in a college at one point in time and having a conversation like this with one of my uh, white female colleagues about, you know, just perceptions, right? Mm-hmm. She was giving me some things like, you know, rolling, rolling your sleeves up like this. Sometimes it can be, can be perceived this way. It can be perceived that way. And we were just having a nice conversation. And we were in an office, kind of something similar to your, this office here. And with that, um, I was sitting around in the doorway and was saying and I was saying to her you know asking her these questions and things and when I was asking her these questions the thing about it was um, she hit me in the middle of my question she said you know what right now I feel real threatened because yeah I feel real real threatened by me now mind you now I'm I'm not as big of a guy as I am now uh, uh, but I had my shirt and tie on, and we known each other, mm. right? I'm standing in the doorway, and she's like, "I feel threatened right now because the only way out is is by it's, it's through you." So all of a sudden, I just started having a panic attack, and I'm like, "Wow, okay." I'm I'm like, "Wait a minute, you scared of me? We work together." I'm like, how is it? How does it work when you're in this room interviewing black men for college? If you're scared of the one that you work with, oh, 
Yeah. Right? Like, what are you doing when it's just you and them in here and they are not as well dressed as I am? Right? They may not speak as eloquently as I do now. Were some of those young people not getting into college because of this? Like, going back to your point of you can do anything, you can go anywhere, you can, you know, that's all the stuff we tell our kids because we don't want them to be limited in their beliefs of themselves. Yeah. But then when you run up against somebody who's holding the keys to the next level or to the next open door opportunity, that's hard. That's real hard to deal with and real especially as as being her coworker, I was just kinda like Girl, don't nobody want you. <laughs> I'm like I wasn't even married at the time. And I'm like, ain't nobody trying to hurt you. Don't nobody want you. I mean, like, and then from then on, I almost had to create a persona of like, yo, I mean, I know I'm a pretty tall guy, you know, but I'm like, I almost had to create a more softer image of who I was so people around me wouldn't feel as threatened. So I had to joke more. I had to, or in my mind, I perceived I had to do these things. Let me say that. Because I'm like, yo, I don't want people to feel like I'm about to do harm to them. Like, yo, I that ain't even who I am. Yeah. Wow. So to going back to your point with Josh, I mean, how? Because I'm telling Gabe the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's an awareness. I I can't. I have to empower him, and I can't scare him. I just have to make him aware. Yeah. Right. So that's that's my biggest thing. Is just. Make him aware, but still continue to empower him. Continue to put those things in his life that causes him to propel forward. So and that's that's the, that's really that's all I can do at this at this moment. Uh-huh. And then put him around people. Put him around people who um, give him a good understanding that all people aren't bad. What we see on TV and all people aren't bad. So we have. A good diverse base of friends and family that we can look at and we can say you can look through all of our all of our friends and you can see some of everything in there and you can see the good in, in, in all people yeah uh, and I think that's important yeah so yeah it's, it's weird we, we're going you know Gabe asked me he was like dad do you think I can play quarterback my son loves playing football right and I looked at him I was like yeah without a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm But he's never got the opportunity because some coaches would only want their son doing it, right? And majority of the people we've played with, there have been white men. So he wasn't even given those opportunities to even go after some of his dreams. Okay. Because it was like, yo, this is mine. Now, I understand the same thing can happen on the reverse side of that, too, as well. But to go back to your point I'm just like man like I don't know how it how it feels to know that you can do something have the dream and then just be no because can I ask you a question yeah do you think it's racial no I don't think it's racial okay but what let me tell you experience Gabe he got hit with okay and and it Okay, honest moments. It it pissed me off. 
It really did piss me off because okay. though the lady did not mean any harm, it brought a lot of confusion to my house. So I think I even told you this once. Um, they were doing a project in school. Gabe's in the first or second grade at the time. And it was like dressed like the 50s character. So jeans, leather jacket, white t-shirt. Okay. But then they said something like, just get some hair gel and style your hair. Okay. They was going for the happy days look. Happy days look. Okay. For those who do not know me, <laughs> I'm an African-American man with waves. Gabe is my son. He looks just like me. <laughs> you can't throw hair gel in his hair and style it any old kind of way. And he comes back home. He's like, Dad, we got to style my hair like this. This is what she said. And I'm like, we can't do that. And now he's looking like, well, then I'm, I won't be like the rest of the kids. And that messed with me as a dad. Really? I, Why? I think that was a great opportunity. No, it was. Guy. It was. And I told him that. I was like, yeah. look, dude, you that's the good thing about this. Like, yo, they can't get fades like I mean, <laughs> joking at the time. But I mean, I'm like, yo, do you understand how slick a taper looks on you right now? I'm like, I I talked to him through it, yeah, yeah. but immediately went up to the teacher. Like, was like, I just want to drop Gabe off today. But can I have a conversation with you real quick? You didn't take into account he couldn't do this and because he couldn't do this in his eyes he felt like he was already ostracized he was already thrown out he was already outside the group he was already less than the group okay right and that's what i was saying with the quarterback situation was he's now questioning like can i do this not based off of skill set because now I got these small little engagement opportunities with other coaches that have made me, you know, and luckily he got a dad in his life and a mom in his life and other people in his life, like yourself and his uncles and his aunts that are extended who say, man, nah, you the greatest, right? Not just in football, but just in life. You're, yeah, you're yeah. the greatest. But that little situation, man. She's not thinking. Yeah. She's not thinking like, I got other kids in here than just my white kids. To be able to gloss over that those types of situations. And and for like I didn't get a call from her like, yo, I'm you know what? I I didn't even think about this today. This is what I said to your son. It didn't even dawn on her. It didn't even dawn on until I went back to the class and talked to her. And I'm like, yo, don't do that to him. Don't do that to any of these babies in here. You got to be more aware. Yeah. Like, the fact that you have that opportunity to disconnect and not think about, that scares me. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's... That was that was very careless and callous, on on their part, but like you said, that I think there's an opportunity that you have to educate, and there's yeah that, yeah so that is so I think the earlier you were talking about the kind of a burden sometimes that we have to carry, and that and that one of those burdens is we do have to we have to educate. 
when um, when sometimes it should be a given we do have to educate and that that is that's that is a burden that we have to carry um, to have our own our own existence and the uniqueness of our existence and the existence of our children uh, count it but go ahead no. you was about to say something no so I'm always left with uh, we point out something I'm always left with a so what do you do with it right so what I did with it was I made sure one personally in my life because I'm I'm over you know anywhere close to four to five hundred teens in a year mm-hmm. and from various different backgrounds the one thing I know I do now on purpose is to be more aware of the diverseness of my group of kids and I say I have everything from hillbilly white to hood mm-hmm. to prep to so on and so on and so on and I try to be very aware of all these people that are in this group not because I'm scared of offending them but more so I don't want anyone's child to go home like mine's did that's the first thing so if we pointed it out I took on the personal yeah you know um, mantle of saying not on my watch I'm not going to be that teacher on my watch right and then to start to teach that in a way where I'm like when I'm talking with other kids or I'm talking and they're coming to an event or with other colleagues it's like look man you got to look at look at this look at that side of it you're missing a piece you're only looking at it from this lens and I think sometimes that's really what well I know for me I've been asked well Greg what what can I do for the cause what can I do from the cause from some of my black I mean from my white colleagues or from other colleagues in general Mm -hmm. and it's been like sometimes I just need you to point it out I don't need your tears yeah. I don't need you coming to crying in the meetings that we about to be in. Greg, I'm just so sorry. Oh my God. I just uh I can't take it. Uh the pressure of this situation. And I'm yeah. sitting over here looking like, bruh, this is what we deal with every day. It's okay. Yeah. You ain't gotta bend down on one knee, bow to me. Oh Yeah, no, none of that's needed. It's <laughs> I think it's the the biggest the biggest thing I think you said it, but I think it's um have relationship and increase like if if you look at your if you look at your sphere of influence people that pour into you or you pour into them people that you feed off of and they're all the same you might want to be more intentional about finding people who are different than you in your natural everyday occurrences because I'm sure you pass them I'm sure you pass people that are not like you on your job, at school, on the bus, you know, any other places. Reach out to people and, and, and expand your, your sphere of influence just to be able to get to know people on, on a personal level. Man, listen, uh, one of the, the guys I work with, he's super cool, right? Um, we have these types of conversations, right? And the one thing he brought up, and I'm going to bring this up because he, he kind of blew my mind with it. He was like, man... I really wish 
I could do some of the things that you all do. And I'm kind of like, uh, same face you just made. Like, <laughs> what? what the hell are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? Right? What do you, what do you mean when you say that? He's like, I really would like to have a family reunion. And I looked at him like, well, why don't y'all just have a family reunion? He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, and the way he said it is going to sound offensive, but it, I had to think about it. He's like, no, white people have funerals. Black people have family reunions. Those are the times when our families get together. Got you. And when he said it, I looked. I was like, I had to think about it. He's like, you don't see the Schnitzenberger family reunion t-shirt. Like you, you don't see that. <laughs> and when when he said it, I stopped and I just fell out. But that was his way of saying, "Look, I, I want to have this conversation with you." <laughs> He's like, but he was serious. He's like, "Man, you've never seen a Schnitzenberger family reunion 2020." You've never seen that shirt. He's like, you don't see it. You don't see it. He's like, but you'll see the Walker family reunion. Like, you see it. I get you. (laughs) But he was coming from a genuine place, going back to your point of just being authentic, reaching out to the people that's in your community, within your circle, within your network, your influence. He was like, yo, great. Some folks I know would have been extra pissed. There's people listening to this right now that's like... See, you the problem, G. You letting these people get away with saying this stuff. Nah, man, he was genuine. It wasn't a, I'm coming trying to be funny. I'm not coming from a place of gotcha. malice or anything along that line. He's he like, found value. He found value in, in, a, in a characteristic that he sees, and he wants to know how that works. Right. Because he sees something missing. That and he wants and to through do. these conversations him and I have had, When he was going through a couple of tough times, he called. Yeah. He called. He was like, man, I'm going through this. And for me, I'm sitting over just kind of like, that says a lot. Yeah. It it just proved that it was, the relationship was genuine and the, the mutual respect was there. Which goes, which says a lot. I mean, it, that goes a long way. That goes, that goes a long way. Um, and it sounds like you all are at a point where you can have honest conversations. You know, I had a friend that I had a conversation with today, that I had a conversation with today, which is an extension of another uh, several conversations that we, we've had, and um, we've had the opportunity to speak, agree, disagree but still love one another at the end and be cool. You know, and that's, I think that is, as we're looking at this this situation and kind of what to do is that's that's the beginning of it because then you get to see the humanity of each other and the fact that each each person is is able to be valued and 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 cared for and protected and loved. Um and I think that is the basis for any change that we'll ever look to see. See, I re- it was written in the book of uh, leadership and self deception uh, that when you get angry and you get you know you get, you get placed into a proverbial box, right? Mm-hmm. And you then have a different reality than the reality that's going on around you. And they started talking about the things they do to get out of the box. And the one thing that really 
it was almost I feel like God was telling me was the only way you can get out of that box is seeing another person's humanity while you are still inside the box that other person will always be an enemy but the only way to get removed from that place within inside that box is I now have to see that that's another person with flaws just like me on the other side yeah. and when I'm able to do that I can then see you in the right light of almost grace yeah right and then I'm able to say, all right, you got some hangups. Nate, you're not as good looking as Greg, but I mean, you'll do, right? You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that other person named Greg. I mean, Nate. <laughs> you know, it's, we know him. He's a little awkward. Hey, man. But, you know, I was really talking about Nate Perkins. But. <laughs> all right, no. Hey, it's okay. But, I mean,. Seeing that piece, having that conversation where I can see your humanity. I may not agree with necessarily your viewpoint at the time, but I got to acknowledge, like, you breathe like I breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the key to any, any sense of meaningful relationship. And that's the start of any meaningful reconciliation. You know, I know probably a lot of people are looking at what's happening right now and wondering what's going to fix this, right? Coronavirus. What's going to fix this? What's going to make it better? Um, how do we move from here? Because... I think we've seen what we've seen. We've seen the reaction. We've seen the anger. And I, I, I have no problem with, with, with that because it is angering. I've, we've seen the frustration. We've seen the hurt, the dismay. We've seen the tears. Can we talk about that for a second, though? Before we just, I know you were about to make a point. No, go ahead. But can we talk about all those emotions that you just talked, you just brought up, and really talk about, like, why is it disheartening for us? Why are the tears there for us? Why are we going through this stuff in the way that we're going through it right now? No, I I think it's just the again part. I think it's the again part and I think it's the reliving of even if it's not like even if it's not that's even as that's like that's not me I'm not in that situation it's the reliving of dare I say trauma that's passed down right because if you if you see if you're seeing violence at the hands of a police and you've had a previous incident that involved any tension any anxiety that deals with the police in your family or you've seen it in your family or it was passed down through stories or you've seen it in your your, yes stories from your 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 parents or before or you watch a movie like Fruitville Station or you watch something like you know um, any of the older movies that, that that speaks about the stuff that we've gone through as a black community in this in this country 
it kind of brings all of that emotion, feeling, hurt, pain, uneasiness, all back to the forefront and say, in spite of all that we've been going through, in spite of as far as we've come. But let's talk about that, though. Like the fact that you said it comes back up to the forefront. So it sounds like to me we do a lot of pushing it down. Like I, I was at church today and they had the open conversation uh, where uh, some voices could be heard they wouldn't normally hear, mm-hmm. right? And I was listening to a woman talk, and she was she was talking about her experiences of her daughter and her kids going into a store, and you know, just it was some stuff that we tried our best not to have our kids go through, right? I could see the pain surfacing. I could see, and she said, all I could try to do from when that situation happened up until this new recent incident uh, with George Floyd was to smile and keep pressing and pushing forward. And it was the always like, okay, here goes Sandra Bland pushing it down. Here goes this. Oh, we didn't get no justice on this. Mike Brown, this. I'm pushing it down. I'm pushing it down. Yeah. And now when these motions, when these things keep coming back up, it's like they resurface, they die down. They resurface, they die down. What are we not doing to get in? I mean, to heal it. It's almost like the crazy cycle. It's almost like, you know, um, well, we never really deal with it. It never gets well, squashed. In my opinion, some of it is this. When you don't, I think when it's when the wrong is not acknowledged and is brushed over, right? So when the wrong is not acknowledged and is brushed over, you push it down and we move on, right? It's like you go ahead, go ahead, because you know I'm about to come up with something with you. No, because but it, but this is the thing. Won't you just get over it? Come on. Just get over. Come on, move forward. Why are you still stuck there? And, and yeah. I say that from the standpoint of sometimes that just happens in my own household. No, I get. I'm I, like, <laughs> like just get over that. Why can't you just get over that, Nate? Nate. You know it. I think it lent, it lends itself to something that the United States hasn't done yet. We haven't had a collective. You know what? We messed up. Do you, do you honestly, truly believe two things with that? One, you think we really ever going to get that? Two, do you really think that's going to be enough? I think it would. I think if we, if there, if there was a truly a acknowledgement of what has happened to um, African slaves and the descendants of those slaves from slavery to reconstruction to civil rights even to what's happening up to now and understand that even though that we legalized you know legally we became you know complete citizens in the 60s and you know which has only been 50 something years right um that's about as much as I've been alive (laughs) but you know We've never had a point where they'd be like, yes, this is what happened. This is the truth about what happened. And I think until we, we get to that point where we have that truth 
it's we always have that push down that 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 pushing down of things and uh yeah we get a little bit more we have, yes we got voting rights acts yes we made some headway with with economics yes we made some headway here we made some headway there we do have a few in in the elite status we we i mean but we I'm have a- opportunities but it's like the wound has never truly been healed but I'm gonna throw something at you you threw at me once when I was going through a situation with a person mm-hmm. and you said to me was if that person died and you couldn't get your closure right you still gotta move on you do and that's right? that's kinda that's I think so it's twofold alright so my first answer was the ideal it was the ideal of what I think really should happen <laughs> but then you gotta deal in reality and that's I think everybody has to deal with that it's like so what if justice is not served in this case or any of the cases like what if that's not what if justice is not served what if we never get an apology what if uh, things never things gloss over we go to the next news cycle and things aren't ever heard of again right yeah from this situation what do we do and that's that's something that we all have to come to grips with like what do we do going forward that no matter what those no matter what this looks like, how can we, one, walk out of it whole, and two, continue to press forward and move to a better place than we than we already are? So now, now it comes down to is how do you move forward with hurt, right? Because because going back to the situation like what you hit me with, it was like, yo, Greg, yo, if, if this person dies and you can't ever get a who, what, when, where, why, and how type of answer, and you don't get the apology, you still got to move forward, right? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, I get that, but I, I, I needed, I need, yo, I need you to, you got some questions to answer. Yeah. Like, why did you do this this way? Em? Why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do the, the catchphrase, but anyway. <laughs> If that's part of the healing process is getting that, when you can't get that, how do you move forward? Now, then that steps into a spiritual question. I think that steps into a spiritual realm where you have to... Um, no, you, you, you have to step into a place where you are made whole... by the identity that God gives you and you find satis- your satisfaction and your wholeness through the promises and the identity that comes from your father in heaven that gives you a kind of an armor and a fortitude that can shield you from the expectations of the world and outside the outside expectations um, so yeah that's I mean for those that are Christ followers uh, for those of us that are hurting that that look to Jesus when Jesus died on the cross you were given a new identity as a son or a daughter in God and with that identity you gain the fullness of who that means to be a child of the king 
and an identity and an understanding that someone else has paid the price for your your life and that you're worthy of that and that your worth was made known by Christ dying on the cross for you. So that allows you to be able to step forward and move into a different area. But that's but that can't be done outside of Christ. And I got that. And my pushback to that is, but we've been in church for so many years. We've been looking at the same thing. It just keeps happening to us. And there's nobody stopping it. And every, like you said, every time I think I'm moving past it, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I will look at you and say you're a, you're a mature Christian, right? Okay. And the fact that you said, you know what, that it hurt me. Like, I, it brought some feelings up in me. And I'm like, for those who may be listening that are not followers of Christ, and for those who may be listening who may say, you know what, I hear you, I am a follower of Christ, but I'm hurt. This sucks. I understand God has given us some promises. I understand that God is going to do this, 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 and this. But right here, my reality says, yo, I want to hurt somebody. I want them to hurt like I'm hurting. I want to get back at them. I want justice. I'm not receiving the justice. Where is the justice? You know, we, we can throw a lot of scriptures at it, but but like the realness of it is is what? Like how do I process this as a believer? Like Yeah, so it's I would say one own your feelings. Own them. Like like don't try to suppress and churchify and I know it ain't a word, but don't don't try churchify. to churchify. Don't, don't try to scripture don't try to scripture pray it away or you know, or just like, you know, Christian mantra it away. I think there's there is there is there is truth and there is healing in being honest with yourself and saying I'm pissed off. But I'm not a lot hey look, I lead people. I'm I'm a small groups leader. I might lead the choir. I might lead I might be a pastor. I might be uh the deacon, I might be the usher. We are not in leadership, you are not allowed to let people know that you hurt. Not the ushers. Not the ushers. When I go and take your gum, I can't let you know I'm just as mad as you are that this is going on. Now, can you please spit your gum into this glove? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 that is. I I, I understand that, and that is a common problem. And what, what? I would say I would say to those people, you need a group. You you need somebody. You need somebody to be honest with, or. Be willing to step into the vulnerability of exposing yourself and process it with your group or process it with your people in the sense that you allow yourself to be seen and walking through that process and you help people, you help people come along with you. Because then I think that that allows, I mean, if we're talking about church people, we're talking about leaders in the church, right? Or you talk about leaders, well. any, any of the leaders, you you allow the people that you lead to see the process of healing. You allow people to see the process of um, reconciliation of your own mind and, and, and emotions. Um, and in that, you will open a door for them to 
do it themselves. Uh-huh. You'll open them a, open for them a door that you can um, see God move in their lives uh, and, and see and see amazing change. So, along with that, is you you gotta have as a leader, you gotta have you gotta have people around you that don't care that you're a leader. You gotta have people that look at you and see you as Greg and me as Nate and anybody else, whatever your name is. They got to they got to be able to see you and know you. And and be able to speak into you. And and because none of us like if we're talking about spiritual leaders, none of us are perfect. Yeah. And in a sense, I'm not saying that everybody's running around sinning or or anything like that, but nobody has attained you're not dead, so you haven't attained to the fullness of Christ. Yeah. So all of us have in, have areas where we need people to pour into us. It's funny. Uh, I tell my students all the time, you need a, a drain and a faucet. You need somebody who can either, or one or two people who can either, that you trust fully, that you can spit your guts out. You can let all the, the gooey, the nastiness, the hate, whatever it is, you can just spit it out and it'll go down the drain. But then you also need a faucet, somebody who can pour into you. And they can be both the same person or some, you know, two different people. But then you need somebody who can pour into you. Yeah. And I think sometimes uh, when we're in position of leadership, we want to do the pouring, but we don't choose to get up underneath someone to get poured into. Yeah. Right? So then it creates this, yeah. this, this hardness. It, it, it creates a false understanding of who you are, you know, because you always got to pull up this persona that you got it together when you're when you're hurt. You're hurting. Yeah. And it's okay to hurt. It's 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 okay to not know. It's yeah. okay to um, doubt sometimes. It's it's okay to you know just be like you know what today is just not the day. Today. <laughs> Today I need a translator because if I say what I really want to say, <laughs> if I say my, what I really I'm want to say, I'm gonna lose my job. It's funny, man. <laughs> that actually happened. That happened to me. Somebody said something I didn't like, and for for those who know me, you know I got an alter ego named Craig, <laughs> and we have done such a great job over these last 15 years to hide Craig. Craig has never came out in the last 15 years. But boy, oh boy, that brother was sitting on the edge of my tongue like, hey, just just, just open up. Say something. And I, I just, man, I had to go and call a friend, man, and was like, yo, this, 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 and this. And they said this, this, and I am about to lose it. Like, not trying to say that, you know, I'm hang my religion up on the fence to get somebody's butt. No, I ain't trying to do that. But what I am saying... (laughs) (laughs) But what I am saying, though, is I'm a man. I felt this kind of way. This situation happened. Now this. Right? And it allowed for me to just to recalibrate. Right? So, for those listeners who are listening, um, find you a faucet and a drain. A drain and a faucet. That you can start to help process some of this this stuff that's going on, because um, just like if you have a cup of coffee that's uh, underneath a faucet, if it just lets it run long enough, that dark colored coffee will run out and be clean water, right? And all that stuff that came out of the cup it will get pulled away. Yeah. Right. So 
for you. That and I think and on top of that, get you some diverse friends. I you need you need to stay.